0: Well, we're we'll going to have to start in the beginning, won't we, with French. Oh my gosh, dog, you can't be you can't be making this kind of noise while I'm over here. <gasps> Ma'am, get down on the ground. Get down on the ground. Get down on the ground. Okay, you're just going to sit there, fine. First we have to start with the French Revolution. That much is clear to me now, once I look through my stuff. So, the French Wait did I say revolution? I meant to say French imperialism. Yeah France owned some ish too. They were colonizing all up and down and not that much really. Everybody went and paralyzed back in the day. Back in the 1900s, they were everybody had a piece of something. But before that, back in the 1800s, that was pe- when people were really getting into it. Mid-1800s, if you didn't have you a slice of a place somewhere far off, somewhere close by, some kind of something, then you weren't a superpower. That's why America scrambled for it. Because we didn't get it. We were uh, below, behind the curb. So post World War II we were like, "Damn it, France, you did a real crap job, didn't you? I mean, you hardly stood 2 seconds against Hitler. And you know, you know you you don't get to keep your colonies if you can't stand 2 seconds against Hitler." So we're going to commandeer that for you. Yeah, we're going to take that off your hands. And that's going to be, um America's going to take care of that. And America, with its great liberty set. Yeah, we'll watch over it for you. But eventually, we intend to make this country free and independent. Well, France was a little peeved. They were like, frick you, America. Why are you frickin' doing this? We did, we, we tried our best. And we were like, sorry, France. You're the worst. We hate you, Frenchies. Quit trying to copy us. You're no cool. You're not cool at all, man. I mean, just seriously. You lost out. Let Hitler in. I mean, you just laid down for him. Like a dog. Y'all deserve Nothing. We also, you know, we were kind of feeling the colonialism bug. Oh, well, we were like, Russia's looking a little scary. Japan was scary. Vietnam's close to these people. And China just got scary. China got scary during the Korean War. Korean War, 1950s. It's like 1951 1953 or maybe it was 1950 to 1953 either way it's not that big of a deal to know dates in my book but the important thing is to understand that the Koreans it's just the Korean War is just a little tiny beginning for the Vietnam War. Kind of like the Spanish Civil War was for this um, World War II for the Germans. A little playground, little practice. We were all just kind of feeling each other up. We were like, oh, I kind of think Stalin's got a sword behind his back he's not telling me about and China's got one in front of his face and he's like hey hit me up I'm definitely not gonna kill you except I totally will if you cross me and Russia was playing us against them and playing China against Korea and Japan just kind of stood there and they were like guys we just got our butts handed to us please don't get us into this and we were like fine you don't have to be a part of this but I totes some jumping my planes from your island K. k you don't have any say I mean we we seriously handed your butts to you not to mention we know some stuff Mm-hmm. We know some secrets, and we definitely kept some else from having some war crime trials. So you've got to listen to me, bud. I I say what I say goes. So we had Japan in our pockets, but I must go back in time a little, because if we're don't if we don't, we're forgetting about the man who's very important to the story. He's a very small man, and his name is Ho Chi Minh. Kochi Man was very educated. He educated himself in Europe. And he was like OMG. Communism. Marxism. Is the bomb. Toad's going to go back home. And tell my peeps. About how great. Communism is. And. He was trying to figure out what he could be doing for Vietnam. We had just finished World War I at this time. And the League of Nations had been made. And the League of Nations said, hello everyone. Would anybody like to join our group? Any small country out there who needs help. Anyone we will listen to you and help you out ho chi Minh heard them and was like oh my gosh i'm gonna be like a delegate for vietnam i'm totes gonna go talk to them because france is all up in our business and that's wicked terrible and i freaking hate the french for being all jerks and colonizing us yeah i said colonizing And he goes up and he's like, hello, who can I speak to? Ring, ring, ring the bell. And they look at him and they say, I don't know you. Please go home. And so he he was not allowed to talk to anyone. He sent letters. None were opened. He's basically completely ignored, most likely because he was too small to matter. And let's be honest, France definitely had one up on him. He was France was much, much, much sadness right now in France. France needed all it all all it could get right now. It's kind of like that girl you know who boyfriend just left her and her dog died, like on the same day. That's what France was. France had gone through a crap ton during World War One. They were not. They were not doing okay. They were having. I mean. They were real messed up. Their, their land was just... It was gross. It was a gross time. World War I was gross. So Ho Chi Minh's like, Well, frick all y'all. I'm going home. And so he goes home. And he's like, Listen, no one's going to frickin' help us. I'm going to call the United States. Ring, ring, ring. He didn't call them. He's He did something, though. Mail... A letter, I'm guessing telegram. No, I did that. I don't think a telegram. But I'm thinking a letter. He was like, Hello America. Hello. I would definitely like some help. There's these Russians breathing down my neck. The Chinese are getting real antsy. And I would just like you to know that we could use your help. If you wanna come over here and help us out definitely will help you out and we'll, we'll just be like friends well this was pre-World War Two, and we just ignored him also we were like who cares Ho Chi Minh shut up be quiet Ho Chi Minh went home whenever he went home he was so well received people just loved him They were like, this granddaddy-looking guy is just a bomb. He's so serene, and I wish he was my grandpa. He's all of our grandpas. Let's all just say he's our grandpa. And so everybody was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. And so to bring his nation together, he kind of got on the communist kind of... um, side of things but his main thing was nationalism and clearly today we think nationalism we think hey quit eating my nutter butter please clearly when we think of nationalism we start thinking about the nazis and how that's not cool but when you have a colony i mean when you're being colonized Nationalism is pretty cool. Pretty cool thing to have going on up in your house, in your town, in your neighborhood. Please, sir, remove yourself from my lap. You are puncturing me with your tiny feet in my thighs. Thank you. Quit. So, USSR is like, hey to Ho Chi Minh and Ho Chi Minh's like hey what up what up what up and they become friends he goes and he learns about communism there I said it was in Europe but I think he just had other education in Europe anyway that doesn't really matter what matters is his relationship with the USSR USSR really got you know solidified then world war ii happened and ho chi Minh becomes legit leader and then he's all like let's make north vietnam independent from south vietnam because frick you france and um he declare he made his declaration of independence similar to the american one and he was like, hello, United States, look at me, I'm trying to be like you, I freaking love you guys, and we were like, huh, you're too small, I hate small country, I want big country, I want to be awesome like Great Britain, which, I don't know why we try to do that, we're so much cooler than them, anyway, anyway, we were like, man, I can't see you, you're too far away so Ho Chi Minh was like y'all just missing out we could have been friends so then Korea happens and China becomes red and Mao Zedong takes over following their civil war so we've got red China red USSR red North Korea and we're like crap crap crappity. this is exactly what we didn't want to happen because we could we couldn't win back korea we couldn't unify korea and reason being basically is that we were not willing to make you know a huge fight we wanted everybody to just calm down world war ii had not been fun for anyone and we were just like guys let's just kind of cool it okay so no one was willing to do enough to completely win so we just that's why there's the demarcation line there now and why they've got so many problems i'm not saying it probably wouldn't have happened without intervention but who knows most likely wouldn't have been as messed it up today without U.S. and U.S.S.R. and Chinese intervention. China came in with a few million troops and was like, what up? We're here. America had superior air power and, you know, bombs and guns and stuff but China had the numbers if they wanted to they could have run us out and they tried but they something happened it uh, they decided to go back instead of really finish us off I don't know it's a real tug of war there for a while and in the end we just let them be where they started from right down the center so North Vietnam, China, and USSR is red, and America is terrified of communism spreading. For multiple reasons, most of them dumb. We were having the Red Scare over in America. Are you hear about that? We blacklisted actors and writers and politicians, politicians anybody who at any point communist or associating with communists we were like frick you man get out of my way i freaking hate commies they're the freaking worst they want to kill us all and make us all atheists and they're just immoral pieces of crap and they hate democracy And, you know, if you look at what the communists did, they didn't have the greatest of track records. Stalin's people were really not having a lot of fun. He starved a lot of people. He killed a lot of people, put a lot of people in prison, put them in the gulag. China, it hadn't yet. But it was about to kill a few million people. Tens of millions with its communist ideas and uh, co- um, collectivization methods. It's just really not that fun, you know, when you think about it. It's like, please, can we not do this? You're going to starve us. That's not fun. I don't like to starve. So we were like, please don't let it spread. So You cannot say America had nothing to fear. It was scary. Stalin had bomb, he says. Or at least he working on bomb. Later on, he has bomb. And he says, look, I have bomb. Even though America dropped bomb twice. Stalin is still testing us. Because he knows we won't do anything and he was like, boom, boom. I got bombed. What you gonna do? And we were like, nothing. We're gonna go over here, though. We're gonna step over here in Korea. And then later, Vietnam. And we we're just kind of like, we're just gonna watch you. Okay? Please don't use that on us. He was all a bunch of tiptoeing around and swinging penises. Swinging penises is what I always say. That's what they were all doing. They were like, my penis is huge. And Stalin was like, yeah, I can't even see it from here. Because he was all the way in Russia. Anyway, France was really, we're going to skip forward. Korea is over, okay? Korean War is over. America has gone back home. We are like, let's kind of figure this out, though. Clearly, we didn't do that great of a job in Korea. So we need to keep an eye on these people. How about Vietnam, which is where we think they're next going because Ho Chi Minh has declared independence and he's communist. And even though we wouldn't help him for reasons unknown, for reasons that are dumb, I'm sure they were known. But we were like, we're not going to help you. You've declared yourself against France and France is my buddy, probably is what we said. And you're communist and that is a definite no-no. So America was like, South Vietnam, what up, what up, what up, we France, also, France, you need to get your butt out of here. And France was like, no, it's fine, I want to stay. And we were like, France, you're stupid, get out of there. And France was like, oh, please, let me stay. So they kind of fought some of the northern Vietnamese, and they were terrible, just awful. So many times, it was right in front of our face how terrible we would be against the Vietnamese soldiers. France were humiliated by them. I don't understand how we thought, well, I can't understand considering the record With Hitler, and our record with Hitler, we did quite better than France. But still, if French troops can't beat what we considered like savages, because we were incredibly racist towards the Vietnamese, that shouldn't come as a shock. We thought that they knew hardly anything about anything, especially nothing about military workings but here they were defeating the French so France was like oh goodbye everyone I don't know if they have a British accent but here let me try to do my French one. Oh no I'm from France and I need to go home I'm putting my tail between my legs that was a terrible British, French accent forget everything so we were like um hello sir Ngo Diệm, This is a man. We were like, Would you like to be the leader of South Vietnam? Also, we're gonna tell the French to get out of here. And he was like, Yes, I would. He was a Catholic. We were like, So work you're and uh, because you know we say if you are Christian We're friends. At least we have that in common. And you're not atheistic like communists. All communists are atheists. Oh my gosh, ma'am. Please step away from me. With your gross throatiness. So, um, we would like... Now, now, Mr. DM. We would like to remind you that... We will be... Scooting you two back together, just like we tried in Korea, North and South will be just Vietnam, no more of this North and South ish, we will be reuniting you and we will be doing it with elections, the great equalizer, the democratic force of goodwill, it will be done. And everybody was like, okay, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) I'm speaking to America. Go away. Thank you. No, I need you to please go away. Thank you. So clearly um, Ho Chi Minh was like, I tried so hard. To freaking be your friend, US and US is just not being my friend. So I'm Totes gonna kill you. <laughs> he was already at war with the South in his little guerrilla war. And I don't wanna say little, but you know, they were small little attacks. It wasn't a huge army coming down all at once like North Korea against South Korea so Ho Chi Minh is like boom 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 I am ready to rumble but he's also like not crazy he's he's still a kind of cool guy but the guy's not doing so good health wise so they replace him with this man called Lee Duan, and this guy is scary. He's scary. You should be scared of him, cause he is real boom boom pow. So we're like, well, wow, this is full on, isn't it? So JFK in nineteen sixty one. He sends some helicopters and Green Berets to South Vietnam. In 1965 is when the movie Green Beret, Berets comes out with John Wayne. John Wayne. Yeah. Totes a politic movie. Totes. Totes my goats. So really, um, we're not fighting yet. America is not technically in any war. We have not declared any war against anyone. We're just here to teach these savages not my set sa- not my words the government and the American people's idea of the South Vietnamese or just Vietnamese in general was that they were uneducated and that they needed to be taught how to fight the North. Really was quite obvious um later on that it was the other way around for sure, because they knew the land and everything like that. In 1962, we start doing this wonderful little move called Agent Orange, where we start doing like herbicides all over South Vietnam. And it's like, are we doing that in South Vietnam? Aren't we their friends? So DM is kind of like, please stop. I don't like you, America. We would like to do this by ourselves. Well, we couldn't step back. We couldn't do it. We were like, these guys can't do this on their own. Because we know the North is about to get some reinforcements from the USSR. They're choked back by them. And if we leave... This place crumbles just like North Korea and South Korea. But luckily we were there so that the whole thing didn't go red. But DM is really not happy with us. He's also a bit of a jerk. And when I say a bit of a jerk, I mean that he... Really didn't like Buddhists. And he was just rude. And he was just like. Not letting them do what they wanted. Just let He wasn't letting them live their lives. They were like. Please let us live our lives. And he was like not letting you, me. He was like no. I will not let you. So people who were Buddhists. Were setting. Themselves on fire. You understand me? Setting themselves on fire to have him recognize, in America, to recognize that this guy is super not cool. Also, he was extremely corrupt. He would take money from, you know, gangs, drug lords and stuff. You know, he'd look the other way. The police acted on his whims. It was just... It was a lot he'd be shooting at Buddhists people not fun having a fun time. He was really nice to the south to the Catholic minority I mean tiny group but versus Buddhists, like what's he doing? Clearly, he didn't understand what he was supposed to be doing. him and his brother they were just. Terrible rulers and America, after the people had killed themselves by self immolation, were like, Oh no 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 no, 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 you can't do that you can't you can't let these people be doing that, please, please make them stop burning themselves to death. That's not fun, I dislike that so very secretly i mean i don't know about this until i i took a class and i'm 22. these people the cabinet of the united states got together and was like you know what i think we should do i think we should probably just kill dm and his brother and jfk was like oh please i think we should maybe find a different way And everybody's like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll find a different way. So Kennedy goes off, and he's having a vacation somewhere nice and pretty over the weekend. And over the weekend, the cabinet members decided while he was away that they were going to have a coup against him. And it was real rough. They were like, hello, we're here to murder you. Please step down and we will not murder you and your brother. And Dan was like, I'm not stepping down. You will have to murder me. And we were like, okay. And we came back and we kidnapped them. And we were like, please don't make us murder you. Um, please step down. And they were like, you're going to have to murder us. So we did. You hear what I'm saying? Americans military went over there and shot them. And it wasn't good. It was like, it was the bodies, their pictures. It was rough. Oh, it was not fun. So, also... The bad thing about this was we did not have a man ready to replace the government we did not have someone in mind we did not have a good handle on who would take over should this happen i mean it was like a rant it was like a dumb spur it's not a spur of the moment i'm sure but it was stupid as all get out and then like less than a week later president kennedy is killed So, LBJ is like, hey, 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 I'm ready to party. And he really, really was. He was super excited about the Vietnam War. So, 1964. Allegedly. The North Vietnamese patrol torpedo boats in the Gulf of Tonkin. But no one is positive. No one is 1,000% sure. Which I would like to have been, were I president? Would I would like to have known if it was, you know, the country I was about to go to war with. Never did we actually declare war at this point. But we sense airstrikes. To North Vietnam and it was actually when the very first prisoner of war from the US was taken. And this man, his name was Everett Alvarez Junior, he would he would remain there from nineteen sixty four until nineteen seventy five when the war ends. And the war well, he might have gotten out a little he might have gotten out in nineteen seventy three when America got out of the war, but Nineteen seventy five is when it technically ended for them. No, I don't know for sure because we're having we had a lot of problems with POWs. That I do know for sure. So Congress allowed for mister LBJ to make some decisions that were not ever a declaration of war, but That way we could be like, we're not at war, people. Don't be upset. I know we just got out of World War II, okay? And we had that little war in Korea. I know no one's ready for another one. So we're not actually doing anything. Meanwhile, our little excursion in the north with our light bombing signals to the Soviet Union. That we are ready to party. And the Soviet Union is like, Frick you! You bomb me, I bomb you. And clearly, what I'm saying is, I'm gonna bomb the people that you're backing, like you bomb the people I'm backing. And we're never actually gonna hit our own people because our own people are too important to hit. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to use these people for our little war and make them die for it. Pretty much like in every single war that has ever existed. The big mans go off and the little ones they control fight to the death. So China's also up there. They're like, we're at it. We're helping out. I told y'all we didn't want to quit fighting. We would like to kill America. We would really like to show our strength. We're all about this. So then we're like. America's like. We're going to bomb. The absolute crap. Out of the north. And we do. It's a three year campaign. Of sustained bombings. In North Vietnam. And it's outrageous. It's something like. The amount of bombs that we dropped in maybe like a year or so. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like the numbers of the entire bombings of World War II. It was an insane amount. Now, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on anything, really. Well, you can quote me on some things, but that's how it went And we just kept going. Boom, boom, boom. And their people kept dying. I mean, for every bomb we dropped, I'm sure a city was devastated. And then, well, towns, it wasn't exactly cities all over the place in North Vietnam. But there were surely people. And their people were not doing so hot. But imagine this. Imagine the fervor. Of the American Revolutionary War. Imagine you're fighting for your freedom to live in a land by yourself, to rule yourself, to govern yourself. What kind of fire you would want to fight with if that was how you were looking at things. And that is precisely how the North saw America and South Vietnam saw us as colonizers trying to take their freedoms which we kind of were but I'm not here to judge I'm just telling you what's up then unfortunately LBJ called for 50,000 ground troops first time we're going to put some ground troops in 1965 and he's increasing the draft to 35,000 every month now I should make a mention of this LBJ had himself recorded a lot Nixon after him had himself recorded a lot JFK had himself recorded some and all three declared privately that this war would not be won Each one of them. Each knew before they sent troops. When they sent troops. That this war would not win. They could not win it. No matter what. They would probably have had to have dropped the bomb. Which they considered multiple times. Sadly. So. On we go. With a. Excuse me. Am I speaking? Mm Mm-hmm. Am I? Please stop. Please stop. A girl needs to learn today. So, America's not about this. They're Americans. Well, of course, the majority are because we think Americans at the time thought communism was some evil scheme needed to be rooted out and at this point in history we're still kind of backing our government and think they do the moral thing all the time don't know why we ever thought that but we did we thought these people are cool we voted them in i'm sure they'll keep our best interests at heart i'm sure they will i'm sure they will so, we're, getting, we're having some questions, though. We're like, what's this war? We're doing this war for communism, but, but that's all the way over there. How's it going to affect us? We didn't ask too many questions yet. 1965, it's still early. We're thinking it's cool. Then there's the Battle of La Drang Valley. And if you've ever seen the movie, We Were Soldiers. With Mel Gibson? Is that the title? We Were Soldiers? Something like that. That's a portrayal of the Ladrang Valley battle. Where, oh my gosh, it was insane. Very clearly outnumbered the Americans. But you couldn't see them because we didn't fight guerrilla. Because we didn't understand that we should probably know the layout of the land like the North Vietnamese did. I need you to quit stepping on my stomach. Hey, thank you. The North Vietnamese were incredible. Very, very smart. Very understanding of what was needed from them to fight someone like us. And they were very it was very interesting how they knew we would never bring enough to completely smoke them out. We would always just have enough to fight a battle or two, and then we would scurry away. So they did the same thing, sort of. What they would do was that they would... They knew America had superior air power. That was a given. We've all, we, like, always have. And that we were going to use it. And that they didn't have air power. So what they had to do was get as close as humanly possible to the Americans to fight them so that they could kill as many as possible, run away, and then do it again, and then run away, and then do it again. And it would clear, I mean, Americans at this point in 1965 were without a doubt, not ready for guerrilla combat they did not expect a hand-to-hand kind of war they were not trained for a hand-to-hand kind of war so if you can imagine you're thinking you're gonna be shooting at people from far away and then they're doing you're doing hand-to-hand in the middle of a jungle that's completely foreign it's burning hot and you're fire you're your aircraft, your aircraft, your air fire, your air people are just not helping. It doesn't matter that they exist because they will not fire because it risks shooting. they risk shooting you when the enemy is so close to you. See, they were smart. The Vietnamese were very smart about how they fought us. And then, of course, there are the tunnels, which was insane. And incredibly smart as well. they pop out of their tunnels. And come and deal with some blows. And then go back to their tunnels. And. Fight again in the next battle. And we would just be completely open. From dawn to dusk. With no air support. So. Clearly you can understand. Why the Ladrang battle was. Somewhat of a eye-opener it was insanely it was an insane amount of people who died versus who lived that battle vast majority died and it was very sad and um what happened was we said we won (laughs) we said we'd beat them in that battle and the, th- the thing was, we, t- we couldn't declare any victories. That was one of the big deals because they would draw away. And there was no understanding of, like, borders. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Germany had a clear border of where they stood and what they did not own, what they had not fu- conquered exactly, So we kept pushing them back and the Soviets pushed them back until they were back in Germany. But with the South Vietnamese and the North Vietnamese, the North did not want to take down and keep going and reclaim the South. They just wanted us out. That was it. They would take care of the South later. They just wanted us to leave. There was no clear objective that a traditional war, that a person from a traditional war point standpoint, <laughs> that somebody from a traditional point of view would understand. Especially these old World War II generals who'd be teaching these kids how to fight. They didn't understand it would be a different kind of war. A war where we couldn't just drop bombs and the enemy would surrender. These people were different. So, let's see what happened next. The amount of troops rose to 400,000 in 1966. And then in 1967, it increased to 500,000. Not all of those people were fighting, you understand? But they were there. Oh, and the terrible things they would get up to. We all know about the tragedies of war, but... These men, a lot of them got hooked on heroin. That might be something you don't know. Was that... um heroin was a big deal in South Vietnam because the troops were there and they would buy it and so it made a big booming market because there's a demand for it well we've got some guys um, drugged out on heroin shooting North Vietnamese it was just uh, a mess everything was a mess and we knew what was going on In 1967, there were huge Vietnam War protests. But still, that silent majority was still strong in the fact that they believed in this war. They believed in anti-communism. They thought that this would do away with it. And they were excited about it. Meanwhile, a man named Nguyen Van Tu... Or T-H-I-E-U. Won the presidential election of South Vietnam. Go him. Not that it really matters at this point. Because he's just a puppet of the United States. And um. America's just not doing great. And we did this thing. Oh my gosh. We would do this thing where we were like. So I can't tell who just won that battle. We lost a lot of people. They lost a lot of people, but they're nowhere to be found because of the border situation I told you about. So we were like, you know what? I think we're just going to do this. We're going to decide who won the battle based on how many dead bodies are on both sides. Well, that was some bull crap because North Vietnam was losing, like, for every one of ours, like 10 people. So it was clear that we were winning if you use that standard. But it's different.